So, a little bit different than how I originally teach in uh, Rooted, where I ask for a lot of interaction. It won't be as much. It'll be a little bit, but not as much. So, what Nick kind of explained yesterday is we're going, we're doing, our theme is Summit Jesus, right? And if you guys can see, I don't know if you can, but down here, there are four peaks, just like the four peaks that we are going to be talking about. Life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So, we're going to start on the first peak. We're going to climb it, right? So to end this message, we're going to climb it, and um, when we get to the top, we can kind of see that there's other peaks, right? That they, the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus is just beautiful, it's glorious when we get there and actually see, actually there's more to it. So, first one, life, the first peak is life. So I have a question for you guys, and you don't have to answer, it's a rhetorical question. What if you guys had one year to live? I should think about that for a second. If I had one year to live, what would I do? Think about it. You'd probably travel, right? Or you would do something that you've never done before, like maybe skydiving or like ride a tiger or swim into a pool of jello or something like that. That's probably what I would do. If I had a year to live, those are probably some of the things that you would do. How about if you had a week to live? Your purpose would probably change a little bit, right? You would probably want to do the things that are most important with you, to you. You'd want to spend it with people that are really important with you, to you. You'd want to do the things that you really like, like hiking or sports. You'd want to spend those last, that last seven days on things that are most important to you. Now, what if I told you that in an hour from now, you're all going to die? In an hour, one hour. So we're not even going to make it to lunch. If you all are going to die in an hour, well, you, you, would, you would probably, what would, what would you do? Right, okay, serious question, like, I'm asking you guys. What would you do? Cody. You would pray, call your mom. Okay. If you had an hour, you would get things in order. You would do the things that are absolute most important to you. You'd talk to your family, you'd talk to your friends. You would want your last hours to be what's most important to you. So the reason I ask those three questions is because I want you guys to see that with the amount of time that you have, your purpose changes. Now today, we're going to talk about someone's life whose purpose, he knew exactly when he was going to die, but his purpose never changed. His purpose stayed the same from when he knew that he was going to die in 33 years, when he knew that he was going to die in a month, when he had an hour. His purpose never changed. And you guys know who that is. That's what our story is about our our time here together is about is about jesus good so with that with talking about jesus you already know who it is his life had purpose his life had a, he was there was a reason he was born there's a reason that he um, had a life so he this is going to be something that i'm going to ask for you guys participation with as nick showed kind of last week that um, there's like a thesis statement to a message. So this is what it's going to be. It's because Jesus fulfilled his purpose, we may fulfill ours. Okay, so say that with me. Because Jesus fulfilled his purpose, we may fulfill ours. So throughout this, I want to say this a bunch of times to try to get it, not get it into your heads. That because Jesus fulfilled his purpose, we may fulfill ours. So every time I say, because... You guys will follow with. Jesus fulfilled his purpose. 
Okay, because... Jesus fulfilled his purpose, we may Good. So, throughout it, you're going to listen for that word, and then we're going to say that together. Because... All right, good. So today we are going to be looking at four peaks, it's four P's. These are the outline for today, the four P's, the four peaks, like, like we said. So this will help, hopefully help you guys remember this message with the four peaks, with the four P's, or P-P-P-P, or the four peaks, or four P's, okay? The four P's. So these are purpose of Jesus' life, purpose of Jesus' ministry, and we'll explain what that means. And then the purpose of our lives and purpose of our ministry. Okay? So if you guys want to write those down, go ahead. But we will be bringing them back up. And I'll have it at the top so that you guys know what we're in. All right. So purpose of Jesus' life, purpose of Jesus' ministry, purpose of our lives, and purpose of our ministry. So before we jump into that, the question we have to ask is, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus that you guys have heard and you guys probably know a good deal about him, but who is he? Well, probably the most important thing that you need to know about Jesus is that he's fully God and fully man. 100% God. 100% man. Completely God, completely man. So, as I showed you guys from a couple weeks ago, we talked about these verses from John. John 1, 1 and 14. I'll read it for you guys. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of only the, or as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. So as I did before, we're going to replace the word with Jesus. And then flesh is just another way of saying carne, right? Meat, flesh, man. Okay? So we're going to replace those words. And now it reads, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. And then look at what it says there. And Jesus was God, fully God, 100% God, completely God. And Jesus became man, 100% man, fully man and dwelt among us. So, it wasn't this example where he had a divine nature that he was God, only half. And he had a half, he was half God, half man. Half divine, half human nature. Half divinity, half humanity. Or we saw like over here, where they overlap, where only part of his divine nature, only part of his human nature overlap, and this is Jesus. No, this is what it is. 100% God, 100% man, makes up who Jesus is. 100% God, 100% man. So how do we know this? Well, let's look at some verses about each really quick, right? Jesus is God. So let's look at some of the verses here for Jesus is God. So the first one is that he's named as God. In Isaiah, this is a book of prophecy, Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, the virgin, talking about Mary, shall conceive and bear a son, talking about Jesus, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. 
So right away from the Old Testament, the prophecy about Jesus is that he's named as God. He is God with us. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, talking about Jesus, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So again, right away, and even in the Old Testament, before Jesus even came, they were proclaiming that he is God, that he's he is named as God. Now when Jesus came, he actually claimed to be God. So in John 8, 58, talking to some people, he told them that truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, who is a person of the Old Testament, right? I am. Now that word, that term, I am, is just how God referred to himself in the Old Testament. So Jesus is claiming to be God there. Right there, he's saying, I am. Even before Abraham, I am. And then in Mark 14, 62, he said, I am. And with, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So, in the future, when he's in heaven, he's I am. He is God. So he's claiming to be God. His name is God. He's claimed to be God. He also received worship that only God receives. In John 20, 28, after he rose, he appeared to the disciples. You guys probably know this. He appeared to a guy named Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas. And Thomas fell on his face and he said, my Lord and my God. So he was receiving worship that only God receives. He also performed the works of God. From Colossians 1, 16 and 17, you guys probably remember this from, from our first semester, is that, he, that God, it said, for by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created. So right, who, the only person who creates is God. So he performed the works of God. So this, these are just some of the verses that share, show that God, that Jesus is 100% God, completely God, fully God. Also, he shares God's attributes. So at his ascension, which we will learn about later, Jesus, it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So all authority, all power, this is something that only God has, right? So he shared in these attributes, the things that made um, God who he is, his characteristics. So like I said, these are just some of the verses that show that Jesus is God. There's so many more. But if we showed all those verses, we would be here until Monday morning. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> but also we want to talk about that Jesus is man. <clears throat> He's completely man, fully man. And we're kind of talking about that in Rooted, right? In 1 John, that they were talking about the Gnosticism that was going on, which said that Jesus wasn't human, that he wasn't man. Well, this shows that he was. So first... We learned that he was born. And in Galatians 4.4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. So he was born. He had a human birth. It was real. And then, after he was born, he grew up. It's like you and me. In Luke 2, you guys know the story of when he was in the, in the synagogue teaching, right? In Luke 2.52, at the end of that, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. So he grew up. He didn't just stay a baby. He wasn't born to stay there. He was actually human. He was actually a man. He grew up. And then Jesus had human emotion. 
So John 11:35 is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. It just says that Jesus wept. So he cried. He had emotion. Now that's just one of them. Here's a list of the emotions of Jesus. Now I'm not going to talk about these. Don't worry about writing them down. I just wanted to show you that these are some of the things that Jesus experienced in his humanity. That he was anxious, that he had shame, that he was curious, that he was joyful, that he suffered, he was tearful, he had rest. All, right, all these things are about Jesus. Now, the thing is that we need to clarify about his emotion is that he did not sin in them, right? He was anxious. A lot of times, I know when I get anxious, I start worrying. I start doing things. I start thinking in my heart a lot causes me to sin. But Jesus, in his anxiousness, did not. He was perfect. He was God. He was holy. He could not sin. So he did not sin. So that's the major distinction I want you guys to remember, is even though Jesus had these things, he didn't allow his emotion to cause him to sin. Good. So back to our other slide. He also had bodily needs. In Matthew 4, 2, it says that he was hungry. In John 19, it talks about that he was thirsty. He also had bodily fatigue. In John 4, it talks about him becoming weary, that he grew tired. So all these things show that he was man. He was born. He grew up. He had emotion. He had bodily needs. He had fatigue. Showing those are things that we experience, right? Those are things that makes us human, right? And that's who Jesus was. Now, when you see this, like, all that stuff ain't so great. Like, being born, growing up, like, ain't that great. There's some painful things with that. Having emotion, isn't that great. So why would Jesus, God, fully God, do that? Why would he come? Why would he do that? Why would he put himself through those things if he's God? Like, I know if I was God, I wouldn't want to do that. I just want to stay up and be God and rule, right? But no, it's like, fine, this is a good thing that I'm not God. Or that any of you are God. But Jesus was God, and he did it perfectly, becoming man. So again, so why? Why did he do that? Well, that brings us to our first P, our first peak. The purpose of Jesus' life. And I want to remind you that because... Remember it? Good, one more time. Because. Good. So, his purpose, we're going to talk about the purpose of his life. He fulfilled it, he actually did what he came to do. So, there are two major parts that can be summed up as to why he came. What was the purpose? What's the reason of his life? He came to save. And he came to serve. So those two S's I want you guys to remember. Save and serve. Jesus' purpose was to save and to serve. Good. So the word save, here I have the definition for us. It's to deliver from sin, to rescue or deliver from danger or harm, to preserve or guard from injury, destruction, or loss. So when you hear save, you're probably like, I don't know if you're any baseball fans out here. If they have a save of a game, right? They're preserving that loss, right? They're saving the game. Or like Mario saves Princess Peach from Bowser, right? Or like a firefighter saves a child from a burning bush, right? They're saving somebody from something. Now, I want you to get this even more into our heads with an example of this river. 
We'll call it the river of life, okay? That looks like a lot of fun. That's super blue. I would love to swim in that. Who else? Uh, that, yeah. That looks, that looks like a ton of fun. Now, we're going to call this the river of life. Now, now imagine you're in this river and you're floating and you're just having a good time. You're swimming. You're just, you're just having a blast. Now, what do rivers have that push the water? A current. So we're going to call the current sin. Okay? So this current is pushing you, is taking you to something, right? And you're going to, you, you might not even know that your sin is taking you this way. But then this river is actually the Niagara River. And you guys know right at the end of the Niagara River is the Niagara Falls. About a 200 foot drop from there. So imagine you don't know that this is the Niagara River. You're just swimming through life. But now you know. Now you know this is the Niagara River. You know that at the end of this river, there's a, there's a 200 foot drop that will likely kill you. And in our case, I'm going to give the example of you're going to fall into the lake of fire, hell, because your sin, your current, the current is taking you that way. Now, when you realize this, what are you going to do? You're going to try to swim against the current, do whatever you can to try to, to stop you from falling down that waterfall and into the lake of fire into hell, right? I have news for you guys. That's not going to work. You can do whatever you want. You can try to swim, kick, push, grab for things. It ain't going to work. There's only one thing that can save you. And you know who that is. That's Jesus. He reaches in and grabs you and pulls you to safety. That's what Jesus does. You can do whatever you guys try against that river, against that current, against your sin. It's not going to work. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can take you out of that and prevent you from dying eternally. So, how do we know that he came to save? Matthew 1, 21 shows us that it says that she will bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So that's the reason, right? That's the reason why he came, to save. To save people from hell. To save them from their sins. To save them from that current that's going to take them to hell. And then also in 1 John 3, 5, which we will get to in a few weeks in Rooted, it says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So that's, that's the purpose, guys, of him coming to save, was to save us from our sins by taking away. He just takes that current away. He just become, becomes just like a lake, like there's no current anymore. He takes it away. Good. So that's, that's how he came to save. And he fulfilled this purpose. And because... Jesus There you go. Yes. All right. And then the second reason that he came. He came to serve. And this takes us to our, our memory verse for this evening. Or for this weekend. So let's read that together. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let's break that down. For even the Son of Man... Right? Son of man, human, God, Jesus. Son of man came not to be served. That's crazy. Like, think about that for just one second. If I was God, I would want to be served. Like, I'm king, I rule, and you serve me. But no, that's not what Jesus did. He did not come to serve, but to, be, but to serve. 
to give his life as a ransom for many. So the ransom, give his life as a ransom for many, you guys probably recognize that word from like a ransom note, right? Imagine Momo, where is Momo? Anyway, imagine Momo got kidnapped, okay? And the people that kidnapped, I don't know if you could kidnap Momo. I mean, she's a pretty tough cookie. I wouldn't want to mess with Momo. But imagine Momo got, got kidnapped and the kidnappers sent a ransom note to her parents. Now they love her and they're going to pay for it, right? And that's what ransom means. It's to pay the price to set free, okay? So the price paid is to set free. So Jesus' life, he gave his life as a ransom. He gave his life, his purpose of his life was to pay for us, to pay that price to set us free. Free from what? Free from our sin. Okay. So as we continue thinking about why Jesus came, he came to save, he came to serve. That was the purpose of Jesus' ministry, and he did it. He not only came to save, and he did save, he not only came to serve, and he did serve. So, because Jesus fulfilled his life, we may fulfill Good. That's why. So, when we talk about Jesus' life, we cannot talk, not talk about his ministry. Now, what is ministry? Have you guys seen this word before? You probably have. Like, we are, this group is rooted junior high ministry. So, or you think about children's ministry, or men's ministry, or women's ministry, or outreach ministry, evangelism, right? There's different ministry. Well, what is ministry? That's just a word that they put on, this is a Christian term. Like, what is it? Well, in the Greek, in what it actually meant is to serve. That's what it means. When we talk about Jesus coming to save and to serve, he had a ministry. That's why he came. This is how he served. So, in the in biblical times, one of the best examples of service, of ministry, is washing of someone's feet. It's super humiliating, washing someone's dirty, smelly feet. Like I was thinking last night, after the boys all took off their shoes, I'm like, I don't want to wash their feet. <laughs> I probably should have, because then we could have slept easier. But, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was, it was, it was kind of gross. So think about it. Being a servant enough to wash someone's feet is so humiliating. You, you're taking their feet, their dirty, rotten feet. Maybe they have corns on them or like bunions or something. Like, it's gross. Like, imagine just doing that for someone. And think about all the old times. Like, they didn't have shoes. They were walking around in just like leather sandals, like at the bottom. So they're probably the worst feet that you could possibly think of. Probably gross and dirty. Oh, disgusting. But when we talk about what ministry is, that's what it is. It's service. It's to serve. So another way to look at it is ministry is service to God and to other people in his name. So that's why we're here, you guys. That's why we are ministering to you guys. We are serving God by serving you. Like, think about, think about just, just for a second, just think about the staff here today. Like, we're not being paid. Like, I probably would rather be watching the Laker game last night. Eh. No, I'd rather be here. But we give up of ourselves we, to serve God, to serve other people for him, for his name. So that's why Jesus, think about Jesus' ministry. He, when you think about Jesus' ministry, that's pretty much everything that we read about in the Gospels. 
right? He pretty much started his ministry in, in Mark like 2, I believe, and just began his ministry. So his ministry, you guys probably are familiar with what it is, what it looks like, right? His teachings, his casting out demons, his healing the sick, his talking with people. That was his ministry. That's how he served people. Um, and that was his ministry. But there was a point. There was a purpose of his ministry. Everything that he did, healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching, just talking with people, visiting with people, there was a reason. Well, what's that reason? This is another S. To share the gospel. That was the point, right? And we've kind of talked about what kind of the gospel is already. It's that he came to save sinners. Luke 4, 42 and 43 says, And one was day, and this was after he had just cast out some demons. That was just after he had healed some sick people. It says, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose right there. That's the purpose. The good news, to preach the good news, to share the gospel, right? We know that the good news is the gospel. And again, the gospel is what we learned about why he came to save, right? Save sinners from their sin. So he did that. He shared the gospel. He fulfilled his purpose. And because... Excellent. So then that takes us to ours, our, the purpose of our lives, our third P, our third peak of our PPPP. <laughs> so what is the purpose? What's the purpose of our lives? Now, when you guys think about this, like when I Googled this, I got some wacky stuff. Like your purpose is to be happy. What? Or your purpose is to leave, like lead a long life. What? Or like... Um, there is no purpose. What? Or like, I don't know, what other things are there? It was like, to, to provide for your family, which is a good thing, but what? Like, that's not, and I have something to tell you guys. You guys all do. You guys all have a purpose. Every single one of you has a purpose. Every single one of you, there is a life's purpose. There is a reason why you're here. Okay? Hold on a second. Okay, so before we continue, I want to share with you guys something. And I asked the question to you guys. So as I was studying, I got really convicted about this in the purpose of our lives section. So I started thinking, like, if there was a movie and I played a part in that movie, what would the movie be about? Would I be the movie star or would I be, like, a supporting character? And I want you guys to think about it. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to think, like, I'm not a supporting character. Like, my life is about me. Like, everything that I do is about me. And it was hard, it was hard for me to wrap my mind around that. Like, yeah, it's about me. Like, everyone else around me, my friends, my family, my wife, they're the supporting to me. It's about me. And if we made a movie about that, it'd probably be a pretty lame movie. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be that great. But think about if you were a supporting character in a movie, a supporting character to Jesus' story, to Jesus' movie. That would be a pretty awesome movie. 
So our purpose is to support his, his movie, his purpose. So how do we do that? How, do we, how is our purpose lining up with Jesus' purpose? How do we become those supporting actors or actresses in that movie? Well, we follow Jesus' example. And what was his example? Well, we already learned what, why he came, that he was a servant, right? We, we've talked about someone washing his, someone's feet. Now think about this. Jesus actually did that. He showed his service. He showed how he was a servant. And in John 13, it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? Like, do you guys get it? You understand what's happening here? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. I am. I'm the teacher. I'm the Lord. For so I am. If I then, your Lord, your teacher, think about the people that are going to teach you today or tomorrow this weekend, wash your, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who, who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus washed people's feet. Like the worst feet that you could probably think of. Like they didn't have nail clippers back then. They didn't have, I don't know, those, those, those things that shave the stuff off. I don't know what, you call, what they're called. But those are probably gross feet. Like he did this. This is Jesus' service. He showed that he humbled himself. Like he's God. Think about, like, God is washing these sinners' feet. Like, the disciples were sinners. Like, he, he went and, like, washed their feet, showing his service. So if he can do it, if Jesus can do it, so can you. He's given us this example to follow. Well, so how do we do this? How can we be the servant like Jesus was? Well, through obedience. Jesus was obedient to the Father by coming down and living that perfect life. But why? Why did he do that? Why, did he, why, was, he, why was he so obedient? Well, Romans 5 tells us, For as by the one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, right? The fall, when sin entered the world. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. We all are. Because of what? humankind did because of sin from the start we all were made sinners so by one so the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous that's jesus jesus obedience to the father that he lived he fulfills his life right because right he fulfilled his purpose he did that he was obedient to the father Even more so, think about this. In Philippians 2.8, it says, And being found in human form, showing that he's human, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
that's what that's showing his obedience like you guys might think that you're obedient kids or you're good kids or that you obey your parents but would you be willing to die if they said die probably not i that's what jesus did he's like yeah i'll obey if you ask me to die i'll do it and he did he did it so that the many will be made righteous In that, in that, I also want to point out, in Philippians 2.8, it says, even death on a cross. The death on the cross, back then, was like the most, oh, we'll, we'll discuss it in death, I'm sure, but probably the most brutal way that you could die. It was painful, it was long, you were strung up, right? I was, it was a long, long, long process. So, if he is obedient, so should we, right? right. And what does that show? Well, John 14.15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Basically, you can reverse that. If you're obedient, it shows that you love me. If you love Jesus, if you love God, you're going to obey his commandments. There is so many commandments in, the, in Scripture, right? And so many things that we know that we ought to do or ought, ought to think or whatever, right? There are so many commandments. But there, there's a lot. There's come, sometimes it's hard to keep track of. Sometimes I have trouble keeping track of them. That's why somebody came to Jesus and asked him, about the, the great commandment, which is found in Matthew 22. He came to Jesus and he asked him, said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds. And and in the other gospel, it adds strength. So this is how we ought to love God. Do those things. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our emotions, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our abilities. That's how we love God. That's how we show that we obey. So, if we are obeying, and we are doing that, obeying, loving God through this, that brings us to our ministry, to our last peak, all right? The purpose of our ministry, our last peak. The purpose of our ministry, and again, ministry means to serve, right? So how do we do that? How can we, what is the purpose of our ministry? Well, at the end of Jesus' life, right before he ascended, he gave us the Great Commission. And commission basically means like, go out and do it. Go and do something. And that's basically what he said. It's found in Matthew 28. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. We mentioned that. And then this is the commission right here. Go, therefore. Doesn't mean stay at home. Doesn't mean sit on your butts. It says go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Disciples, not of you. I'm not making, and Nick and Danny aren't making you all little disciples of us, right? We're trying to go. We're trying to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people. Does that mean just the people that you're close with? No. That means the people that you may not know that well, or that you don't get along with all that great, or people that are different from you. It says, make disciples of all nations, disciples of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, 
I'll discuss this in Rooted. You guys are all teachers. Whether you want to be or not, you guys are. The way that you conduct yourselves around other Christians or other people teaches them something. You influence other people. And you can teach them to observe all that I commanded you. So all that has been given to us in Scripture by Jesus, by the apostles, by those that have written the Bible, that's what we are to teach. So that's how we show our purpose. So because... Good. So, Jesus did. He came. He served. He saved. He shared the gospel. So we can follow his example, right? So let's recap that real quick. So who's Jesus? The purpose of Jesus' life, purpose of his ministry, purpose of our life, and purpose of our ministry, right? That he was fully God, fully man. 100% God, 100% man. That there was purpose to that. And it was to save and to serve. And he did that. So because Jesus fulfilled his purpose, we may fulfill ours. He did that. He fulfilled it. And then his ministry, the purpose of his ministry, was to share the gospel. Right? And he did that. So because... Jesus fulfilled his purpose. Good. And that's how we fulfill our purpose. By following his example of service and obedience. Because he was a servant. He was obedient even to the point of death on the cross. And the great commandment of how we are to do that with all of ourselves, all our entire being, through our heart, through our soul, through our mind, through our strength. And then finally, the purpose of our, our ministry is the Great Commission. Go. Do it. Share. Share the gospel. Jesus shared the gospel. Do it. Go make disciples. Teach them everything that you've learned in Scripture. Okay, so let's pray. And then um, we have some small group questions that I'll throw up there. Um, you can answer the question afterwards and then um, we'll get going so dear Lord we thank you for today we thank you for this awesome winter camp that all the fun we're about to have all the things that we're going to learn about you um, thank you for um, helping me to be clear thank you for um, just using me to share your gospel with these kids I pray that they are convicted I pray that they were encouraged by learning about the reason that you came the purpose of your life the purpose of your ministry And because you fulfilled your ministry, we may fulfill ours. And that is to follow your example and to go out and make disciples. Yeah, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the staff. We thank you for these kids. Again, we pray for their hearts. We plead with them because we know that eventually they will. If they don't reach out for you, if if you don't save them, they're going to fall down that river. They're going to fall down that waterfall. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Please continue to bless us in our time. Keep us safe. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand and let's sing one last song here.